the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Scott Reed is here, political commentator, advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin, media and crisis communications leader Anne Marie Akins is here, and Pavan Brach is an entrepreneur who works in marketing, tech, and real estate development, also a farmer. Um, good morning to y'all, and uh, let's start with the fact that um, once again we're facing the prospect of a labor disruption when it comes to the education sector. And Marie, I'll start with you. I think we have to be measured in all of this. I mean, of course, the teachers are taking a strident posture, and the minister's already digging in, but they haven't even had the vote yet. Yeah, it is fairly typical stance that uh, unions uh, um, take. They, you know, they they state their claims, they do some threats, and and that sort of thing. But I think they're going to f- figure out that uh, I think their support it will be weak. You know, people will say they really support the teachers and teachers are great and so forth, but they will not support uh, their kids being out of school again. I, I just think after three years of messed up school years, they, they just won't tolerate it. Yeah, you know, Pav and I agree entirely with Anne-Marie's analysis, which is that, you know, even when they took the microphones on the street yesterday at CDV, parents were saying, no, I support the teachers, but I don't think they're going to support a labor disruption. <laughs> Not for long, not when they discover the kid's still at home yeah. in the morning. You know, I think uh, it's obviously yeah, devastating the impact of, of COVID. I, you know, we, we we were planning to put our son back into the public school system, uh, grades 9 through 13, or 12 rather, and uh, couldn't bring ourselves to do it uh, following what happened, following what happened with COVID and just seeing the devastation um, uh, in terms of quality of learning and teaching. But I think, you know, obviously this this strike, you know, potentially will give Doug Ford the, the, the opportunity to change the channel from the green belt uh and and talk big and talk strong with the minister but i think you know i think we are at, at such a critical phase right now in our future for this province that if uh, and 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 the government and Doug Ford specifically has the opportunity to to kind of extend an olive branch and show and reach out to the unions and let's just you know hopefully try and break some of the impasse that definitely exists between the unions and the government and it's successive governments it's not just the Doug Ford government but to to kind of focus on the quality to change the channel to change the dialogue from from money to how do we we ensure that our kids are are ready to compete in the future. So there's an opportunity not just to change the channel, but to show leadership. And you're right, actually. It's not just the conservatives who have been in an aggressive posture with teachers. Dalton McGinty decided a few years ago to turn on the people who had elected him uh, just because he thought it was a good show. Scott Reed. Yeah, I I think we should all just take a breath. Um, You know, the government is offering 1.25%, which is like whatever, half or one third of uh, of the cost of living increase that we're experiencing right now. So that's not a that's not a sincere offer. Um, They're going to have a strike vote as a union. Um, That's just, you know, saber rattling on both sides. That's positioning on both sides. So um, I am a parent. I've got kids in the public school system. By the way, I'm extraordinarily happy with the quality of learning in the in the public school system. I have to say, in particular, my youngest got, um, you know, applied and uh, was fortunate enough to end up in a, in a dedicated art school that's within the public school system. It's like, it's out of sight, out of sight. But I'm not worrying about this. Um, I don't really think that either side is so stupid that they're going to advance to a work stoppage. And I just think a lot of this is posturing. And I've lived through these negotiations, public sector negotiations with doctors and with um, and, and with teachers, and they can get tough. But I have a feeling that common sense will prevail. 
A mother got scammed trying to buy her daughter tickets for a Taylor Swift concert. Uh, Pavan, uh, I get the urgency that she felt to make her daughter happy while her daughter was away at sleepaway camp. And the daughter arrives home today and mommy's going to have to say, by the way, no tickets and mommy's out 1600 bucks. But I'm, I'm not entirely, you know, if you deal with a, a pie, a, an account on Twitter, I'm not all that sympathetic. <laughs> I agree with you. It's tragic. You know, obviously she was trying to please the kid, as you say, uh, but uh, you have to use established systems for trading these kinds of things. We know that there's, you know, financial danger and there's also, you know, there's personal danger when you're when you're transacting online. So I think, uh, you know, common sense obviously did not prevail in this case. Scott Reed, you got kids you probably want to make happy, but would you buy concert tickets from a stranger on Twitter? I probably wouldn't, um, but you know, I I'd buy liquor off of somebody on a street corner. Like I don't know, I do dumb things. <laughs> I'm not prepared to like just hammer on this woman. I I I am struck by the first line in the story, which a couple of people here have mentioned uh, directly or indirectly, where she said, "Look, as a parent, you just want to make your kid happy." I like literally after that. Yeah, I she made some bad choices, but I feel terrible for her. I wish to God I had a Taylor Swift ticket that I could give to her, and I hope that it works out for a kid. Okay, listen, I want to hopscotch through a few other topics. Anne-Marie Aikens, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, we reported this morning um, Toronto's tourism has not bounced back as well as Montreal's tourism. Uh, we also talked to a tourism expert, mind you, and he said, well, part of that is business travel, and nobody does business travel anymore, and Toronto's a business city. Um, but do you think we're marketing this city right, and do you worry in some respects that the banging of the drum about how unsafe our streets are, how our parks are full of encampments and all of that stuff would persuade somebody, maybe I don't need to go to Toronto. Well, I think it just depends, I suppose, what country you're coming from. If, if how, how you view our problems with safety, they may be looking at their problems and going, you've got, you know, you've got nothing to worry about compared to what I have to worry about. So um, so I'm not sure if safety is really keeping people away. I think the economy might be. I think the other one I think we, nobody has mentioned yet is the um, construction and uh, congestion mm -hmm. caused by the construction. It's, it is really difficult to get around the city uh, right now. And, uh, and, and if you're a tourist, you're going to depend on that. And it, there isn't a simple way to fix it in the short term. And I remember Montreal visiting Montreal because my family's from Montreal and they would, I would I, remark about how much construction was underway yeah. and it was a mess and it was difficult to get around. And now it's not so much, John, you would know better, but uh, I don't think it's, I think they got through that and we will get through that. But for the next decade, our construction is going to be keep people away, I think. Yeah. Well, I can attest in Montreal, most of the construction has come to an end, but now they've reconfigured all the streets so you can't drive a car on them. Uh, Scott Reed, your thoughts about uh, our failure to rebound in tourism? I think it's macroeconomic stuff. I think that it's business travel and general cost of living. It's probably depressing air travel still in a broader sense. I, I I for sure don't think like we have we have to distinguish between those things that are apparent to us living in the city and those things that are going to logically be apparent to people who might consider coming here. You know, relative crime statistics, congestion, construction. I just don't think that stuff is available or is apparent or is really factoring into a lot of decisions that people are making about whether to come to Toronto. Their impression of Toronto, I think, is probably the same one they've had for a couple of decades. That it's a big bustling city that suddenly seems to be kind of on the move um, and it's very clean 
clean, very Canadian, very safe. That that's so. I think it's other factors. I also think there's a ton of government agencies tripping over one another. Some doing foreign direct investment attraction. Some doing tourism. You got provincial, regional, uh, municipal tourism organizations. Not all these things are well aligned, and they bump into one another, compete with one another, and often we try to make pitches not based on what we know will be resonant with people who might visit here, but rather with what's resonant with domestic audiences. So the governments can say, look at the campaign we're doing to bring people to Toronto, but it only is designed to make people in Toronto feel good about them rather than get people from, say, Cleveland here. Uh, Let's turn to the law, and for the second time, this time in a different jurisdiction, it happened in Oshawa, uh, a criminal case has been thrown out because the the, uh, cops turned off the audio on their body cams. Pavan, I just, I I can't imagine what's going through a police officer's head when they turn off their camera or turn off the audio, that they don't think they're killing the case and possibly their career. Completely agree. And uh, this is happening all the time. I mean, these cameras are not new. How is it that we have not sorted out the fact that you have to keep your cameras on uh, when you're not in the bathroom and you're on duty? Uh, And, uh, you know, it's just all too convenient. And in fact, in this case, I think the Crown refused to share uh, with the court or with people who are inquiring what, in fact, the policy was for that particular police force. But I think think this kind of comes back to a larger issue, which is that there are far too many major crimes and crimes like this uh, that involve drink drive, but major crimes where uh, cases are sometimes being disqualified after millions of dollars of investigations, et cetera. And, and I think, frankly, you know, it, it, it creates a lot of doubt in the public's mind about what's really going on. And uh, we have to come up with some crystal clear procedures and policies that, that, that lay out how these things are conducted. And, uh, and frankly, I think we need to investigate when people are, are quote unquote, be throwing the cases. Now, Scott Reed, in the absence of uh, a police officer wearing a camera in the old days, we would have just taken their word for it. That doesn't work anymore. No. And uh, this is not news to us, and we're not cops. So people who do this for a living, who are trained, uh, they know what they're supposed to do. They know what the protocols are. And if they don't, it's because they've willfully chosen not to. I don't believe what the cops said in this instance. I don't believe their arguments as to why they muted and that they didn't know what the rules are. It just isn't plausible. Um, and I think they're damn lucky they're not up on disciplinary charges because my guess is that they're uh, they're winking and nudging at us all. Yeah, and Anne-Marie, it seems highly suspect that you had muted at the key point in an interaction with somebody. Oh, definitely. And I think part of it is they obviously have gotten away with this before, that they they thought they would be able to do it with impunity, that uh, no one would care or they could make an excuse for it. And so clearly you have, it shows, uh, you know, uh, malintent too. You're going to mute your camera. So therefore you knew what you were going to do. It, you weren't even acting spontaneously. So it, it, it seems uh, really suspect and uh, it really does um, make you wonder about uh, uh, other crimes as well. And only 60 seconds on the clock, but uh, Scott Reed, have you fallen victim to slobification? Did uh, COVID and Zoom uh, lower your dress standards? Uh, yes, and I hate it. 
So I hit it in others. I loathe it in myself. Uh, pick it up, people. We need to actually not slide. My kid wore pajamas to camp yesterday, and we got into a fight. We couldn't leave the house for 10 minutes. This is a microcosm of what's wrong with the world. I'm changing my ways right now. All right. Thank you. Thank you all. Good to get, have you. Get thee to Tom's. Yes, everybody go to Tom's. Uh, Scott Reed, Anne-Marie Aikens, and Pavan Broch. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.